everyone, Noor Tagore here, and you're listening to In Progress, An Imperfect Journey Navigated. And this podcast is presented by Girl Boss Radio in partnership with Toomey. So over the course of 10 episodes, we will be going on a journey together. We'll be deep diving with the best and the brightest female founders, entrepreneurs, and creatives out there, and offering you the motivation you need to transition from where you are to where you want to be. These brilliant women, and I mean brilliant, will be dishing out real-world advice for self-development on the go so you can dare to change direction and so you can live a more fulfilling and productive life. You know, the life you deserve. Let's go. Today, we are talking about what nobody tells you about changing careers. So if you've recently quit your job, if you're thinking about quitting your job, if you're thinking about just changing paths, today we're going to be talking about what it's like to begin a new adventure. And oftentimes people admire that, but it isn't always realistic for people's experiences. So here's what you personally need to know about jumping ship and starting again. And today we're talking to Cassandra Gray, who is the founder of Violet Gray. She once had a marketing consulting business and wrote the business plan for Violet Gray while she was still in her old role and then took numerous steps before jumping to Violet Gray full time, which is where she's at now as the chief creative officer and of course, founder. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you. So when it comes to changing careers, what is the first question people should be asking themselves? I think as much as you can figure out what the commitment is and really understanding how that's going to affect your life, I think asking yourself, am I ready to change my lifestyle. I mean, I think if you're, if this is about sort of entrepreneurship and you're thinking about starting a company and maybe you're working for a company now or you want to change or whatever it is, but starting a company, I mean, it is, it is a lifestyle and it's nonstop. And I think it's really challenging to have a good quality of life if your family isn't supportive, if you're married or, or have kids, or if you're not ready to be working nights and weekends. And it's not like you're working nights and weekends because you have to. I think that's kind of a myth that to start a company, you have to work, you know, 24 hours a day. I mean, it's not a myth that you are usually meant to build something without enough time, without enough people, without enough money, which is hard. And, you know, you usually have to work overtime. But I think what happens with people starting things is they work nights and weekends and don't have a lot of time for balance or other things in life because they have to, like, because they're so, it's so much fun. Like, it's, you're so obsessed. Like, you can't stop thinking about building. And there's just never, you know, there's never a quiet moment, I, I've i found anyway. So I think, you know, you have to really be ready to sort of, like, dive in. And I think... You know, you got to be ready to commit like five years. What are some of the misconceptions to changing career paths? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's changed so much, I think, just in the last, you know, 10 years. And, you know, most of the young people that I, you know, come come across or hang around, like they're changing their jobs every two years. And then I have, you know, I have a 
great friend and mentor who is uh, she's called Carol Bear Sager, and she's like a, a you know she's won an Oscar for um, songwriting. She's a songwriter, and she's you know I don't I don't she's like of the age that you don't talk about her age, <laughs> but let's just say she's a mature later in in her life, and you know she just decided she wanted to be a painter. She'd never been a painter. And she just started painting. And now she has this, like, career as a painter. Like, she has a, you know, a show coming up with, like, 11 wow. paint. So, you know, I've seen both young people and older people that have done what they love. Like, they're in their dream job or, you know, doing what they are passionate about for, you know, 15 years or 20 years or 30 years. And then move into something else, which I think is really courageous and really exciting. But I think uh, right now it's more and more common that, you know, somebody wants to set you up with an actor slash model slash entrepreneur slash whatever. I mean, it's really sort of normal to have multiple careers at the same time even. did you? Was there ever a point in your life where you were juggling multiple careers? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, I think right now I'm juggling multiple career. I mean, I'm using different parts of my brain. How so? Um, like I, I I do a lot of business, which is very different than creative, and I do a lot of creative, which is uh, so I you know I I've kind of gotten to a place where I I ha- I have to be really structured to be productive because I'm not a structured person. Uh, organically. So I, I I have like a schedule that really works for me. And so I have like days that is that is very specifically dedicated to being creative because I know that I need to be in that space and I can't like shift from one thing to the next. So I think juggling multiple careers is about, you know, time management, <laughs> but you can do it. It's just, uh, it's just, you have to sort of organize your life. What are some mental and emotional preparations someone can make ahead of changing careers or lifestyle? Well, I'm I'm an alcoholic. I'm an Alcoholics Anonymous, and there's that's a twelve step program, and it's like a twelve step program for life, and it's it's really just really simple. Uh, but I mean, it kind of applies to anything, and it's just about like being honest and rigorously honest and always like keeping your house clean and figuring out you know where your fears and resentments are and getting them out and writing about them and like just getting clean I think and being like a a a channel where you're you know is you're all those things are not holding you back because they're usually connected to pride and anger and and fear so if you could sort of self-actualize and you know whatever read books about there's so much stuff out there and i and also and also meditating i mean meditating is like a simple thing that i think a lot of people think that they're not doing right or they don't know how to do and really there's like no wrong way to do it and it it's one thing that if you do it consistently every day for even 5 minutes you'll feel much more grounded before you start something that's going to make you feel not grounded. How do you meditate? I have a meditation that I do that's uh, it's on the internet. It's a, it's a golden light meditation. It's 20 minutes. It's like all about letting light into your 
body and filling your body and it's I love it like I feel amazing after I meditate do you do it once or twice a day it depends on how rough my day is if I think about exercise or uh, relaxation or meditation or sleep as tools that are going to make me better at my job it's it's it works better for me that's so, so like, sm- yeah, that and I think makes so much sense. You know, I'd, I I'm I'm also Jewish, alcoholic Jewish. <laughs> um, so you know, we have Shabbat, which is like brilliant. Everyone should have Shabbat, but it's like it's literally a day that you need to take off to recharge. And you know, I think there's misconceptions about when you're starting something that you. And I think it's like people get so burnt out. I mean, Ariana Huffington you know, built a whole empire yeah. around it. I mean, this is this is what happens. And I think the mentality, particularly when it's competitive with young people, is like, I'm going to be there first. And I'm going to leave last. I'm going to work, you know, f- all day, every day. And I'm not going to do anything for myself. I'm just going to, like, go after it. And And then, you know, you get burned out. And so I think if you think about, you know, I think great things happen, like, in intervals of four hours. So it's like, if you can, like, work and be in it, and be focused for four hours and then like take the rest of the day off to exercise or I think that's completely fine. In Progress is brought to you in partnership with our friends at Tumi, who just so happened to have launched a gorgeous new line of handbags. That's right, Tumi isn't just for all your sophisticated jet setter dreams anymore. I mean, it's definitely still for that. But this new line brings that same elegant, timeless aesthetic to your everyday, meaning you will look effortlessly chic while you're running around town and making things happen. Whether you're in the market for a luxurious leather or you're in search of a super adaptable nylon number, there's something for wherever you are in your journey right now. Check out the new line at www.tumi.com. What role do you think vulnerability plays in starting over? And whenever I feel vulnerable, I know I'm doing the right thing. Like I just, it's really where I think everything happens. I think it's where you learn. And particularly if you can feel it and and feel that humility. And when you feel vulnerable and you walk into whatever it is you're feeling vulnerable about, you know, you're just really growing and learning. So I think it's 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 really important to embrace your vulnerability and recognize it as, oh, this is out of my comfort zone. Oh, I might not be able to do this. And if you do it, you know, the it's just going to feel so much better. Can you tell us about a time where you felt really vulnerable while building Violet Gray? I mean, that would be every time, every day. <laughs> like, I always feel vulnerable. Um but yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, there's, I mean, we've been through everything. Like we've been on the verge of bankruptcy. We've like lost complete control of our company culture. And it was just like not a great place to work. Like there's, we've had every problem that I think, you know, cliches are cliches for a reason. We've had those problems. And, um, you know, I feel like I have like war wounds as a result. And like, I should have, a, I should get a medal. I often feel like if I don't uh, bring it, like I'm not, you know, suiting up for the the World Series or I I feel like I, the, like the whole thing's gonna fall apart. In those moments where you've had those like really tough times through your company's journey, 
do you remember ever thinking, oh man, I wish somebody would have told me that about this task or building this or this part of the journey? Yeah, my story is a little different because I did get a lot of advice and I read a lot. I, I, I guess I would think more like, I wish I would have taken the advice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> What pieces of advice do you wish you would have taken? I mean, I think like specific to building business, like it's all about people. It's just like, it's all about people. So if you lose sight of that, you're gonna, you're just gonna get all, in all kinds of trouble. So I think, you know, I think a lot of people, and I even sort of said that when I was starting the company, this is all about people and the dream is to, you know, attract great people that I get to work with. And, you know, it's like, I even knew it, but mm. lost track of it. What can you do to give yourself a leg up when you're looking to establish yourself in a field that is different from what you've been doing? Um, yeah, I think it's really challenging to start anything if you don't have the credibility. Um, so I think you got to do some work within the industry. Like so before starting Violet Gray, I, I started like a little uh, styling studio and I worked with, you know, makeup artists, hairstylists, wardrobe stylists and sort of movie stars and people that, you know, work in the industry in Hollywood to help kind of craft image and uh, and kind of figure out what story they were going to tell with their image, and this was this was like something I you know I maybe knew something about in terms of just like branding and you know I've, I I created this little room that was like probably the size of this room like a thousand square feet. Uh, office and I just like filled it with books and like the kind of furniture that make people think you have good taste and and then I just started like meeting with these people and working with them and you know it was it was it was this training ground to a develop relationships because I need a lot of relationships to do what I do and most 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 uh, companies or business are are relying on relationships but also it, it gave me the credibility so I think that's like that's my story, but I think you know another another kind of trick that like a lot of PR people do or advise you to do is to write a book, make a book, write a write a short story, write an essay about whatever it is that you're doing, and it's almost like or whatever no whatever it is that you want to do, mm -hmm. like say you want to build a hotel, okay, like you could make a coffee table of like all the best hotels, like pictures of all the best hotels. And oh, then it's like kind of like a mood board, but a mood book. Yeah. I mean, like if you if you make a book and you say, you know, you're and you work on a book, like if you actually like fill those pages with the 10 best hotels in the world, you will, by virtue of doing that, become or, or be known as an authority on hotels. That is a brilliant idea that's a great piece of advice I've never thought about that yeah I mean it's kind of it's kind of simple in that I mean obviously writing a book could take a really long time depending on what it is but uh, you know I mean I think if you go through that process of your and it, just, it doesn't have to get published you know it's just like you're writing a book and you will actually have to go through the process of figuring out what the 10 best hotels are. So actually you are an authority on what the best And then you have. end up doing the right research and building and asking the right questions yeah. and you have this. And then you put those 10 hotels, pictures of those hotels on your wall and it's like you just want to be, you know, one of those guys. And that becomes your vision board. Yeah. 
So easy. What are... It's not easy. <laughs> it's not. It's really fucking hard. But there's lots Easy of concept, though. Yeah. Like, it's a good trick. It's doable yeah. if you... Simple doesn't mean easy. Like, that like is... A lot of really smart PR retweet. people thought about that. Like, if you see, like, a lot of, like... You know, influencers or like style, like uh, Rachel Zoe, stylist. She's probably the most famous stylist. Um, you know, I think she, you know, obviously she used linear television and, you know, lots of different tools as a platform to, to uh, sell, to create authority in her space. But one of the first things she did was write a book. It's like called The Stylist or something. And it's like, well, I mean, stylist was like a new career. By her having a book, she became the stylist. She like mm-hmm. talked it and wrote it into existence. Yeah. That's amazing. What are some of the most important financial preparations a person should make before changing careers? Um, I mean, of course, it depends on what career. I mean, I started a company that is like costs a lot of money and doesn't make a lot of money for a long time. So I needed a lot of money to be able to start the company. Um, if you're starting a company that could be profitable from day one, like an agency or something, then that's a little different. But I think in most cases, it's like if you could save up money to live for like two years or maybe even just a year and, you know, maybe change your lifestyle and like embrace, you know, dorm life or whatever. And and then uh, and then you start your company and, you know, hopefully it makes money or you, you're, it's funded somehow and you don't have to live like that for very long. But at least you, you know, are not going to, you know, run out of money because and and then I think, you know, there's so many angel investors. And if you have a good idea and you need, you know, $100,000 or $2 million, you can get it if you write a business model. You know, and so write a business plan. And if you don't have any money and you don't have any support of your family and you got to pay your rent and you can't save money, you know, the other way to go is write a business plan and get an investor. What advice do you have for people who are trying to get investors? You know, having experience trying to raise money for several years. Uh, I think you know you. The first thing is is a, is being able to articulate what it is you want to do on paper, and then being able to express that in a room in front of people. Often it's like white guys in suits, <laughs> and uh, express what you want to do. It's not so much that way anymore. There's so many great female entrepreneurs. I mean, female VCs. And then, you know, what what I think like really sort of like moved the dial for me was when I closed my first seed round. It was only after hiring my first real employee who is one of my co-founders. And she was just like, she was just on it. Like she was really, really organized and she helped me get organized. And she, I mean, if I, would, I don't think I would have been able to do it without her. She's like a kid from Brooklyn who's like, you know, got herself into Harvard Law School and like she's just a badass and like, you know. So, so she really helped me a lot, and and then what you know what what she advised and helped me do was make a list of all the investors that I wanted to invest in the company, and and that's pretty easy to do if you look at the companies that you like, uh, you can find out who invested in those companies, and then make a list, and then call them up and say and 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 you know i think also a trick that i learned is like after a while i started to change the dynamic of the meetings and interview the investor as if i have 900 people that want to invest in me 
wow. when nobody wanted to invest in us. But like <laughs> in the room, that confidence and, you know, I used to play poker, which is a big part of what that is. But it's like when you change the dynamic and you're interviewing them, like, is their money good enough for you? Mm. It's like you're closing, you know, deals. Do you remember some of the questions that you asked the investors when you were interviewing them? Yes. Like, like I mean, yeah, there's five great questions that you could ask. I mean, the first thing is like you should know about as much about them as possible when you go in so they feel like you've studied them. And, and then, you know, ask them like why do they do what they do is really good. Like why, why do they do what they do? Um, why, are, why are we in this meeting? Why are you interested in what I'm doing? And and then, you know, talk to them about how they got into what they're doing. Like, why did they become a CE? Why did they become a VC? Like, what is that about? And, you know, are they really passionate about what they do? Because you only want to work with people that are really passionate about your company and what they do. And that's the key to success is that everybody around you is like way smarter than you and really passionate about what they do. So that will help, you know, close the deal, too. And then I think like. You know, knowing the other portfolio companies that they invested in and like saying, well, you know, I'd really like to talk to those entrepreneurs. Is that, you know, is that a, is that OK? Could you introduce me to some of the entrepreneurs that you've invested in? And it's like you've already decided that they are dying to write a check and you're like, maybe I'm going to let you write a check. <laughs> what are some pieces of advice you wish more people would talk about ahead of making a major change in their life? Like, this is a real talk. What are things that you're like, okay, people just, we need to be talking about this more. You know, I think life is about love. And if you have kids and, you know, family, I mean, this is really important and what really matters. So I think figuring out if whatever you're going to do is going to compromise that relationship or those relationships before you do it, I think is, because that's, you know, I mean, that's really where, I think most of the regrets will come from is if you feel like you neglected the people that you love. And then I think advice, I mean, the best piece of advice that I've ever received as as a like first time founder CEO that my job is to like figure out how to get people to do what I want them to do. It was from my shrink, actually, who's like an amazing guy who's called Phil Stutz, and he's got some great books that you should look into. Called one of them is called The Tools, and he's amazing. So anyway, so he he, he has like all these tools that he gives people. Like it, it, the 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 therapy is much more about like how can I help you get what you want? Like how it's more like pro, pro, productive or progressive. And you know I, I like that because I'm like want to figure out how to get some edge or whatever. And so he's got all these tools, but one of the tools that he talks about a lot is, um, well, there's actually two that I'll give you, but the first one is is the difference between fake confidence, as we're talking about confidence, and real confidence. And I always think about this because pretty much if you want people to follow you and join you and like work with you to build something, which you're going to need if you want to build anything great, you need to inspire their confidence because you probably don't know what you're doing and you probably, you know, like I'm a terrible speller. Like, you know, I can't pronounce certain words. Like maybe people might think I'm not, I I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) because I'm like really good in certain areas. And anyway, the point is, is like you have to like, they have to feel like you're going to figure out how to like build the net when we're falling off the, the, the cliff. And so fake confidence is like 
well, we're going to, you know, we're going to fall off this cliff and I've got a net. It's already built. We're going to like fall into it or we're going to we're going to launch on April 22nd and it's going to be huge and we're going to get, you know, three million views or whatever. So I guess would be a more sort of timely or modern um, goal. And the fact is, is like you don't know that you don't know what's going to happen in the next mm. two minutes. So if you're saying that, like, it's not I'm not really going to like believe you because you don't know you don't know anything. We know none of us know anything. So real confidence is like the confidence that whatever happens, you're going to get, turn it around. And there's two ways to turn it around, which is like you either change the like like an example would be like you're in traffic and you you like I don't want to be in traffic I gotta get out of traffic so you could either like get on ways and go a different route and get out of the traffic which solves the problem or you can accept that you're in traffic and either way you're moving forward mm. and it's like if you get that mentality and people feel like okay you're gonna you're gonna figure this out because it's like acceptance is moving forward actually changing it around is moving forward you got to move forward it's like you got to put one foot in front of the others as simple as that sounds you got to do that and if you it's like analysis paralysis if you take too long you're to step to the side you step to the back it's like you can't move so that's the one and then the second one is something that he gives a lot of like very successful powerful people it's called the night review so he thinks that getting organized and being productive happens the night before the day starts. So every night before you go to bed, he he prescribes for you to write down what you need to do the next day. And what it, what is the value specifically to doing that? Because that's something that I do. And I, I found- think it's about focus. And I think it's about I think like a lot of people that want to do a lot of things, they feel um, they're they're nervous and they lack confidence and and the reason why is because they don't feel organized and I think feeling organized and structure around what you want to do and the priorities around that just 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 helps you get it done. If you do it, it like really does keep you on track. It just keeps you sane. Yeah, and it's really it becomes those little things. It's all the little things that make big things happen. I love that. I'm so that's Coach going Wooden. To use that. That's not me. That's the that's Coach Wooden. Well. <laughs> Shout out to Coach Wood. Yeah. Thank you so much, Cassandra. This was incredible. Thank you so much for your interest in me. And I'm so happy to be here. And hope I hope something I said helps somebody yeah. go after their dreams. Totally. Thank you. For more information on Cassandra Gray and her company, Violet Gray, check her out on Instagram at Cassandra Gray. And that's Gray, G-R-E-Y. And Violet Gray. And on Twitter, at Violet Gray. And you can visit their website at you guessed it, violetgray.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of In Progress presented by Girlboss Radio in partnership with Toomey. Be sure to tune in to the next episode to hear more from the brightest minds out there, all bringing the real talk to navigating your life and career so you can really take flight. Because, yep, you already know, it's a work in progress. And be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the 10 episodes. 